Coming up, D-backs take care of business in Chicago. And does anyone want that third wildcard spot in the National League wildcard race? Discussing all that with Sully Baseball next. You are locked on Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to the always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages, from articles, from my photos, and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, or look up Locked On Diamondbacks, both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle, and of course, Thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, and all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. We're going to be talking to Sully Baseball about the National League wildcard race, why it feels like no one wants to grab that third spot in the wildcard race, talk about the Brewers, why they're struggling, but Let's first stay with the hometown team and talk about the D-backs because I'm kind of surprised. The D-backs just went into Chicago and pulled off a sweep, the S-C-H-W-E-P sweep. That's what the D-backs just did, taking three straight games from the White Sox. And this was really interesting that the fact that the D-backs did this because I did a podcast probably a couple weeks now about how the road to the playoffs goes through Arizona because the D-backs are going to be playing a lot of teams in that wild card race. The Padres, of course, we're going to be playing the Phillies upcoming next, another team in that National League wild card race. And then we played the Chicago White Sox, just swept them. And the White Sox are fighting for their playoff lives. And the D-backs might have just put a dagger in all their playoff hopes because now the White Sox are about six games back from both their division leader and the wild card spot. So they couldn't afford a series of missteps. They had to play and try to win as many games as possible. You know, not a hot take, obvious take. Um, leading up to, you know, when the playoffs start, the White Sox are fighting for their lives. And they thought maybe a team like the D-backs was going to be an opponent, you know, not really playing for anything at this point in the season, just kind of floundering in no man's land, not going to get a top five pick, but also not going to make the postseason, just kind of in dead man's land. And it's like, if you're the White Sox, you're like, why are the D-backs going to come in here and try to win games? It's not like they have to try and win anything. We're going to be the more desperate team, and we're the team that's actually trying to make the postseason. But I guess they didn't perform like the more desperate team because the D-backs, if you didn't know each team's record, you would have thought the D-backs were the team fighting for a wild card spot because the D-backs in the second half of the season have been a very good team. They are now 19-15 and 15 to start the second half since the All-Star break. They are plus 33 in run differential, and they were just looking good and clicking on all cylinders. And when you just look at this series, I mean, their offense was clicking the first two games of the series, you had seven runs in the first game, 10 runs in the second game. You didn't really do too much in the finale, but in all three games, 
the second inning was really the turning point for the D-backs because in the first game, that second inning, the D-backs were able to put six runs on the board and that was able to control the rest of the game. In the second game of the series, the D-backs were able to put five runs on the board. And in today's finale, they took the lead one nothing off a stone-cold Garrett home run to start the game. So the second inning is where the D-backs took the lead in all three games of the series. I don't know why that is. I don't know what mojo's going on in the second inning, but it was really their helpful inning this year. And what I also like from those first two games, when you look at that second inning, they were crooked numbers. Six runs in that first game, like I mentioned, five runs in the second. It was a sequence, a string of hits, guys back-to-back getting hits, um, someone stealing a base, someone taking an extra base, and then that guy hitting a sacrifice fly or getting another single to move the runner over or bring him home. Like It was just great execution by the offense. And we also saw some you know, amazing defensive highlights by this D-backs defense as well over the weekend from Alec Thomas maybe di- making diving catches in the alley um, on the warning track. Dalton Varsho robbing people at the wall. Like, we got to get a glimpse of how good this D-backs defense is defensively. We see it all the time, but it's always a nice reminder when they're making these highlight defensive real plays out there um, because – They need to do that. The defense needed to do that to help out their pitchers because the pitchers were throwing gems all series. And you don't want to see your defense be the ones that, you know, the reason why you lose, like your pitchers pitching great, but they're hitting it right to the defenders and the defenders making bonehead to play. So it was great to see the defenders actually picking up the slack and doing extra work doing overtime when it comes to playing defense with the plays that Dalton Varsho and, and Alec Thomas were making because the pitchers in this series were great. Tom Henry, that first game, five innings, one earned run. They had Merrill Kelly. He was a little shaky, but he was still able to manage and push through into the eighth inning and give up only four earned runs with seven strikeouts. Like, he'll still take that from Merrill Kelly. And then Zach Davies today, like, up until that sixth inning was going blow for blow with Dylan Cease, who looks like he's going to be a top three Cy Young Award candidate in the American League. So the D-backs, from an offensive standpoint, from a pitching standpoint, they looked really good this series. And they were able to sweep the Chicago White Sox for their third sweep of the season. So it's not something they did that they do often. Their second sweep since the All-Star break, because if you remember, the D-backs took two out of three against the Nationals in their first game of the series um, at the All-Star break. And then they played the San Francisco Giants, NL West rival, and swept them in the second series out the All-Star break. So D-backs now have two series sweep since the All-Star break. And I want to mention before I forget, um, a hero from this series, both in the second game of this of this series and in the, the finale today, Jake McCarthy has been absolutely phenomenal. And Jake McCarthy splits now on the season. Let me see uh, right here. A 291 average, a 352 OBP, and a 432 slugging. He's going to have like a 290 average and a near 800 OPS by the time the season ends in around 80 games with maybe... 16 stolen bases and six home runs like he's having a really good series he's having a really good season and second half and in game two um against the white Sox, he had four hits he had three runs scored was huge against the white Sox in game two and that 10 run outburst and then today to break the tie in the ninth inning a double with two on absolutely phenomenal series by jake mccarthy who just continues to impress and it's like We already know about Dalton Varsho and Alec Thomas going to be two solidified spots in the outfield next season. And Corbin Carroll is probably going to be called up in September, most likely. And if he's not, he's definitely going to get the Alec Thomas treatment next season where he's called up relatively early in the season and then is starting the rest of the way. Right. So we know the outfield next season 
80% of the time, 80 plus percent of the time is going to have a combination of Varsho, Corbin Carroll, and Alec Thomas next season. We know that, but we also know the D-backs have great depth in their outfield with Jake McCarthy as your go-to left-handed bat, fourth outfielder, and probably Stone Garrett as maybe your fifth outfielder, right-handed bat in. I just love the depth that the D-backs have in the outfield right now. They have so many pieces, and maybe you package some of those pieces for other areas of need that you have on your team, like another starting pitcher, another bullpen arm, whatever it is, but I love this D-backs team right now, how they're playing the second half of the season. They're playing spoiler. I said the road to the playoffs went through the D-backs, and now they play the Philadelphia Phillies, who have been hot. So for the D-backs who are not playing for anything, they can play spoiler once again against the Phillies, and they can also just test themselves against the Phillies, see how good they really are because, you know, they're playing well in the second half, but they haven't beat any, like, you know, war- What's the word I want to use? They haven't beat like any true World Series contenders in the second half. Like when they played the Cardinals, they got smacked against the Cardinals. So if they can play Philadelphia, who's coming into Arizona, if they could take down the Phillies, I think that would be pretty impressive by the D-backs and be some much-needed momentum heading into next season. Maybe you feel more confident about yourselves, your squad heading into next year, and maybe you recalibrate your expectation levels going into next season and you try to maybe go a little bit harder in this offseason than what you expected, depending on how the rest of the season plays out. But if you could perform well against the Phillies and maybe win this series, I think that would be a nice little glimpse into what the future could maybe be for the D-backs next season. So I like how the D-backs are playing right now, and let's keep it going against the Philadelphia Phillies. Now I'm going to talk with Sully Baseball about why it feels like no one wants to grab that third spot in the NL wildcard race. But first, I have this very important question for you guys. Are you one of those people who think it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is, your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. So stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. It is the final Monday before the month of September. The pennant races are heating up. Superstars are coming back to their teams, and your pal Sully has to itch his nose. This is Locked On MLB. There, I did it. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball, and on Monday, I do a crossover with the host of Locked On Arizona Diamondbacks. He's right over there. That's Millard Thomas. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. A what? What? How would you describe me? I've been a baseball podcaster for the last well, more than the last decade. I've been a television producer. I got an Emmy nomination for my troubles. Mm. Uh, got uh, been published in several magazines as a baseball mm. writer. Like my pal Stacy Gotsulius, who's sick. Get well soon, Stacy. Uh, I've appeared on HBO Sports, and I'm a mm. teacher too. I teach. The youth of America are being led by Sully. That's Miller Thomas, who's sitting there in his luxurious 17-bedroom luxury condo overlooking the luxurious Locked On MLB Studios. 
Uh, Miller, tell people a little bit about you. Why are we listening to you? Yeah, I wish any of that was true. I'm a you know multimedia journalist and a graphic designer, as I like to tell people on my podcast. So follow my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com, so you can see all my latest work on there. Follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or look up the show account, Locked on Dimebacks. Of course, we're on YouTube as well, Sully. Locked on Dimebacks on there as well. And, of course, we're on all your podcasting platforms. You can follow us at Locked on MLB Pod. Same handle for Instagram and Twitter. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Hey, uh, it's funny. When Millard and I get together, we don't rehearse much, but we know what topics we're going to hit because we want this to be as spontaneous as possible. And for this particular show, you know, we send each other lists of things we want to talk about. And we had too many for this one. Mm-hmm. And so we'll hit as many as we can. So naturally, my first thing I bring up is something not on the list. Creator Thomas twenty four. Did you see? And 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 I'm going to talk about this in depth uh, on a podcast, Lockdown MLB podcast, coming up on Thursday. So there's a little teaser for that show. But did you see that the Mets retired number twenty four for Willie Mays over the weekend? It's I, uh, the, I did not see this. Yeah, he, you know Willie Mays, who was made his first appearance with the New York Mets on May 14, 1972, the same day I was born in Willimantic, Connecticut. Willie Mays hit a home run against the Giants to win the game. Um, He only played a season and a half with the Mets. He was clearly uh, fading. And by the end, uh, like by the end, when he was in the World Series in 1973, he only played the first two games. He didn't come to play in any of the remaining five. He was over the hill, basically. But I, for one, even though he only had two relatively uneventful seasons with the Mets, uh, I, for one, am happy that they retired his number for two reasons. Uh, Willie Mays is still alive. He was he was not well enough to appear at the ceremony. He lives in Menlo Park, which is a suburb of San Francisco. He couldn't make the trip to New York. I believe it was his son who represented him. Uh, we need to celebrate great figures in baseball history while they're still alive instead of constantly waiting for them to be dead. So I'm for any celebration of Willie Mays while he's still with us. But also, yes, he, his two years with the Mets were somewhat mediocre and not memorable. But he is a major figure in New York sports history because of his time with the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. And while San Francisco has celebrated a giant statue for him. The official address of uh, of what's Oracle Park is 24 Willie Mays Plaza, San Francisco, California. Um, he needs to be honored in New York as well. And if someone looks at number 24 and says, who's that? They say, Willie Mays, did he play for the Mets? Yes, but he also played for the Giants. Uh, I think that I think that's a positive thing. I'm for celebrating anything celebrating Willie Mays is okay with me. All right. Pro celebrating Willie Mays, but if I'm the Mets, uh, two years in my uniform. Now he was an all-star back-to-back years at age 41, 42. Was it more of an honorary thing because his numbers are pretty mediocre? Yes, but still, uh, I guess it's a nice gesture by the Mets, but if I'm a Mets fan, I don't know. Is that moving me, retiring Willie Mays' number when he really didn't spend much time in New York? I don't know. I mean, it was cool when he played for the New York Giants, but in terms of in that Mets uniform, I don't know. I don't know if I would retire that number, Sully. I don't know. To to me, it's to honor his time 
mm-hmm. with New York, similar to Hank Aaron's numbers retired by the Brewers. He only played like a season and a half with the Brewers, but he was such a major figure in Milwaukee sports history that his numbers should be hanging in Milwaukee as well as Atlanta. So did the New York Giants convert into the New York Mets? No, the New York Giants became the San Francisco Giants. Mm, so that's where I think I have. If the New York Giants became the New York Mets, then I think I would feel differently. But because the New York Giants became the San Francisco Giants, it's like two different organizations, then I would feel differently. It wasn't like the New York Giants rebranded themselves into the New York Mets. It's a whole different franchise, basically. That's now yes, honored. So that's why I think I feel differently about it. All right. Well, there you go. Okay. But yeah, let's a nice get our... little debate on Willie Mays. Well, I did. I thought, I thought that was a softball. Um, okay. So let's talk about some of the stuff I did want to talk about. Uh, let's go. First things first. Um, the the pennant races are getting interesting, That but they would be a heck of a lot more interesting if the Milwaukee Brewers could get out of their own way. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. When the Brewers pulled off the trade where they they handed off Hader to the Padres and started giggling because they sold him a lemon in the parking lot, um, it, it suddenly made the Padres and the Brewers bad at the same time. And the Brewers have not – around the time of the trade, the Brewers were up two games in the division – well, they're now six games out. We're recording this before the games on Sunday are over. They're now, but best case scenario is they're five games out. And so they've dropped an entire week of games in the month of August. And, but they, so they've also fallen out of the wild card race. And the thing that I find uh, like absolutely just befuddling is that they're now, what, two and a half games behind. San Diego and San mm-hmm. Diego is falling over themselves. Now, granted, the the Brewers have had a tough schedule. They've been playing, you know, Los Angeles a few times, St. Louis a few times, Tampa Bay a few times. So it's, they haven't been playing tomato cans, but they've also played the Cubs a bunch, and the Cubs seem to have their number, including a couple of walk-off games. So I, I don't get it. Like this Brewers team has good pitching, and they have some good players. And yet they can't, you know, they, they can't play decent baseball. And the the wild card race would be a heck of a lot more exciting if there, a game or two, just like a if we we're heading into September with just a game or two separating San Diego and Milwaukee, uh, two teams that look like they were locked for the playoffs just a few weeks ago are now fighting for their playoff lives. Yeah, it feels like that third wild card spot in the National League right now in that race feels like no one really wants to grab it because both the Padres and Brewers are just kind of floundering. And I was reading an article this morning just about how the Brewers like basically mismanaged their bullpen since that Josh Hader trade because you trade away Josh Hader, right? You say buy Hader, buy Hader, just like Mano back in the day, the rappers. Shout out to all my people who know that song. And and for the Brewers, you trade away Josh Hader. You bring back a nice little package, I think, in return. And one of those pieces in that package was Denelson Lamar met who they DFA'd and cut immediately after that deal and he goes to Colorado he's made a few appearances he's got like a a sub two ERA in Colorado he's looked really good and a big reason they were okay moving 
Denelson LeMay and cutting him is because they thought they were going to get Trevor Rosenthal back from the San Francisco Giants to be a key back and reliever for them. And Trevor Rosenthal, who just reported in the last day, he had another hiccup in his setback to return to the major league level. So he doesn't seem to be he doesn't look like he's going to be a reliever at all for the Brewers this season. And he's someone that gave up a top 20 prospect in their own organization to the Giants. So you cut Lamette, you're not getting back Trevor Rosenthal and you traded away Josh Hader. That's basically three strikes in your bullpen. And it's a major hit for the Milwaukee Brewers who a couple of their bullpen guys are struggling in the month of August. Devin Williams has had a couple of back-to-back bad outings by the Brewers. And you look at someone like Corbin Burns, a starter who's, I think, the reigning Cy Young Award winner. He's, yes. been, he's been roughed up a couple times in August as well. Brandon Woodruff seems to be back in the mix and seems to be performing well again, just like Freddie Peralta. But Corbin Burns has been struggling. Devin Williams has been struggling a little bit. It just doesn't feel like they have that depth in their bullpen anymore after trading away Josh Hader, missing on Trevor Rosenthal, just cutting Denelson Lament. I think they missed that depth that they used to have back there in the back end of their bullpen. I'll tell you another factor that has come about in the past, uh, roughly the past month. If you go back to um, just almost exactly a month ago, uh, the 26th, of July, uh, the Brewers were leading the division by three games over the Cardinals. Uh, the Padres were secure. The Braves, of course, were secure with their spot. And the Phillies were on the outside looking in and only a few games ahead of the Giants and only a few games ahead of the Marlins at that point. And so the Phillies looked like they were maybe uh, fading, especially with Harper no longer on the team because of injury. The Phillies won 22 out of their next 30 games. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I went to one of the games where they beat – like, they they beat up Cincinnati. They beat up Pittsburgh. Uh, they beat up Cincinnati twice. They I was there for one of the games where they, they had a four-game sweep of the Washington Nationals. And, yeah, they're playing bad teams. But guess what? If you want to pad your win-loss record, you you beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And I really think the fact that the Phillies, only four teams in baseball won 20 games in that stretch. The Mets, the Dodgers, oh no, five. The Mets, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, the Braves, and the Phillies. So the four elite teams of the National League and the Phillies. And I think the fact that the Phillies just started beating up on all those lousy teams while the Padres and the Brewers couldn't get out of their own way. I think if the Phillies had a mediocre month, there would be a three-team scrum for that final wildcard spot. But instead, the Phillies have pretty much cemented themselves into the second spot. And now with Bryce Harper returning to the team, and he came first, I think his first at bat, he hit a two-run single. Um, I, I just feel very, very good you know, the, the Phillies have had some some other injury issues, too. But when you bring back the reigning um, National League Most Valuable Player, they've lost Zach Wheeler. Uh, he's on the 50-day disabled list, and that, that obviously is going to hurt the team because you can't take an all-star pitcher like that. But Aaron Nola's pitched great. Kyle Gibson's pitched great. Um, you know, uh, um, you know they, they've had – they've been able to pitch the way they need to, and – um, quite frankly, uh, they played a lot better than I thought they were going to do. And we're sitting here. It's It may be the thing that costs either the Brewers or the Padres a trip to the playoffs. 
Yeah, unlike the Padres or Brewers, the Phillies are actually taking advantage of their moment right now. And they've been doing it, like you said, without Bryce Harper in their lineup, which makes it even more impressive. And I think because Bryce Harper's been out their lineup, it, you know, put the onus on some other players in that lineup to really step up. And you see guys like Kyle Schwarber leading the National League in home runs. Guys like Alec Baum and Reese Hoskins have really turned around their season as uh, seasons as well. And so for the Phillies, like, I also think they're just a little bit more desperate than those other teams in the wild card race because we've talk, talked about this on previous pods. Like, the Phillies are in the second longest playoff drought after the Marlins, the, 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 the longest playoff. Or, yeah, excuse me, after the Mariners. Longest playoff drought in the National League. So the Phillies, just as bad as anyone, wants to get back to the postseason, just wants to feel alive again and just feel that energy running through the course of their veins. And I'm hoping to go see the Phillies on Tuesday because they're going to be here in Arizona playing the D-backs. I'm hoping to see that game on uh, Tuesday, uh, ASU night versus the Phillies on Monday. So shout out all my ASU fans out there. But, yeah, the Phillies right now, it does suck. Zach Wheeler just placed on the 15-day injury list. So it's like as you get back one MVP superstar, Bryce Harper, you're losing a Cy Young candidate and Zach Wheeler. But like you said, Aaron Nola just had a complete game, nine inning, I think 10 strikeout shutout. Like he's been really good recently as well. So the Phillies team right now, it's clicking on all cylinders. And with the Padres and Brewers just kind of like floundering and not really take advantage of the situation, like if the Phillies just keep doing what they're doing, they should be solidified in that playoff mix. And we're going to see the Mariners and Phillies both end their playoff curses in the same season. It's going to be, it's going to be really crazy once we get to the MLB playoffs. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Shout out to Sully Baseball. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks first listen every day. Couldn't do it without y'all. Make your second list of the day. Locked on MLB with our pal Sully Baseball, who you just heard. Me and him got part two coming out tomorrow talking about the Dodgers, Kershaw's return, and Kershaw's lack of postseason success. I got to go on a little rant. So coming out tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. Come back tomorrow. As always, stay safe. Stay healthy. Deuces.